We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we are exactly two weeks away from Media Day as we record this. Can you believe that? And last week, last Friday, we were supposed to record a pod, and we had some technical difficulties that prevented us from doing so. So apologies for not having a pod out, but it was kind of odd technical difficulties that we had and we determined after trying to troubleshoot it a couple of different ways like eh, this is the basketball gods trying to tell us to not record this one and the premise of the pod was going to be pick your 10 right pick the 10 guys that you think are going to be in the rotation now this is with the backdrop of mike you know how you always are really excited for the schedule release and that's one of the like the markers of the offseason for me the first like rumors of the starting lineup from credible people once those start coming out that's kind of my i have that same uh, investment in that period of time and so that usually happens way earlier in the offseason because usually your offseason is done by this point but with the rust situation in particular I I've always tell myself, like, I'm not going to like try to an- analyze what the overall team is too much until the overall team is set. And usually that rule works for me in early July when they're signing like vet men guys. Right. And but in a couple of days, you, you pretty much know what the team's going to be and you can geek out uh, over it over the summer. We've done that plenty of times over the years. Um, but with the circumstances this year. That's not how it happened. And so, forgive me, we got two weeks to geek out on lineup stuff and rotations, and I, I think this is going to be the team, guys. And so, with all of that said, last week, Zach Lowe was talking, saying that he had been hearing that the projected starting lineup at the moment, we still have training camp and all that, is Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Damian Jones. I have been geeking out about that all weekend. I got a ton of things to say, but D, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because there are a couple of names there that we weren't expecting. The couple of names being Kendrick Nunn and Damian Jones. Those mm-hmm. are the couple of names, right? So it's interesting because Darvin Ham has basically been talking up Russell Westbrook in a way, and that implies or implicates him as the third starter. 
next to LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. So there's three starters set. The two next ingredients, Mike, are you want a certain amount of shooting and a certain amount of defense. And I thought the shooting was going to be in the form of the big man. And that the defense was going to come in the form of the other perimeter player, the other guard that was going to start next to Russ. And so I was sort of penciling in this idea of, okay, well, they'll start Patrick Beverly. They just traded for him, right? And he's the quintessential role player next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And he could even help Russell Westbrook some. And that they'd start Thomas Bryant at center, who has a history of shooting the three ball as a stretch five. And they went the opposite direction, Mike, reportedly, is we're talking about now Damian Jones, who is more of a defensive presence defensively than Thomas Bryant, and Kendrick Nunn, who is much more of a do-it-all guard who can score at all three levels, and that as the secondary player next to Russ. So I didn't answer Pete's question at all about, like, what do I think? Because I have a lot of thoughts about this potential pairing, including, like, potentially trying to replicate some of the success that the Lakers had last season in between Russ and Malik Monk by pairing him with a guard like Kendrick Nunn and having another secondary ball handler like like Nunn to play next to LeBron James, um, who can then move Russ even more off of the ball in ways that Darvin Ham has talked about before. I look at Damian Jones as someone who can be sort of like a Brooke Lopez in terms of what he's trying to do defensively as much more of a drop coverage big and someone who can be a vertical spacer. So I guess I sort of teased my answer to Pete's question, but I'm going to kick it to you because I was not envisioning this as the solution, but the ingredients are the exact ingredients I was thinking would come. It's just they came in different players and at different positions. We've had a lot of discussions about potential lineups and and a lot of this came before we knew what the roster was going to be. And if we're assuming that the roster right now is what it's going to be, then we can continue to have this discussion. And, you know, Pete cited the report that you just did as well. I mean, I would say that things are still pretty fluid in, in a couple of spots. So this is what I was getting at when we first started to talk about Bryant versus um, Jones and, we know right now, based on the end of last season and I'm sure workouts and the kind of stuff I've, I've heard in the building about how Jones is playing and how he's moving. Like you can you know exactly what you're going to get. And I still think that there's some work, some five on five that Thomas Bryant has to get to. So starting the season, right, just in terms of who's going to look better on the court and who's going to be a little bit more in rhythm. Like that's where I was I was thinking Damian Jones. In terms of a big that fits best next to Anthony Davis and LeBron, especially one that can shoot, that's where I think the Bryant thing comes into play. And so by the end of the season or whatever, midseason point, a couple months, I expect that to continue to be fluid to some extent. But but right now, and, and I think that's what uh, what Lowe had said on his podcast, too, that Jones might have that early edge. And to me, that's less about sort of the player types and more about how guys are right this minute uh, based off how things have been. So the next part with a backcourt. Now, Pete, there's a couple different ways we can do this, right? So you asked us to kind of have our 10-man, right, and, and what our rotation is. So so I have – there's one thing there. And then there's another thing is just we're sort of starting off and talking about what what we think might happen. And those are two different things. But I there's no way for me, if it's my lineup, that Beverly isn't starting. That's, that's in my lineup. Yeah. Right? And whether that means that Kendrick Nunn – 
if he looks as good as I've heard that he's looking, um, starts next to him. And Russ comes off the bench and then you surround shooting with him, which, by the way, then lines up a little bit better with Thomas Bryant. Um, and maybe that's, you know, that's Austin Reeves. Maybe that's that's Troy Brown and or Lonnie Walker. And then the starting group in that sense would be like Beverly Nunn, LeBron, A.D., Damian Jones. And it's more of a power uh, group. Plus, you get a little shooting in the backcourt, as Darius just referred to. So I don't think that's realistic. I think that the realistic thing is that Westbrook's going to start and. I would just have a hard time based off all of the pods we just did on Beverly, not starting Beverly next to him. And especially knowing what Darvin Ham likes to do. Now, I also think that Kendrick Nunn has been looking really good, but I, for me, I would even if I would be surprised if it's, if Beverly doesn't start, uh, but you know, he's, if he's going to play 25 minutes regardless, and we think that's the cap, he can do that off the bench too. And he can give you a boost that way. So for me, I don't know what Darvin Ham's about to do. It's his first time in the main chair, and we can make these inferences of, oh, well, he coached at Milwaukee, and we saw this in Summer League and this and that. But that's one of the exciting parts about this season for me is kind of learning where his head's at because one of the fascinating things about this team is that there's so much talent that is relatively close to each other, but players that are kind of different in what they do specifically, that there are a bunch of different combinations that I think you can make a credible argument for. But the head coach is the only one that really matters, right? That's why that the Pick Your 10 podcast, that's great what we would do, what we would think, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, right? It, it matters. And we're learning how does Darvin Ham see the game from the head coach position. And the real thing that stands out to me is that is a really athletic group. If, and when I, when I think about this team and I think about uh, things that Ham has said, that's one thing I think about more often lately is like, we should listen more to and analyze more what they actually say and kind of pick it apart because he's been talking about us running and transition is the space of athletes. That's the domain where athletes really thrive. So he's been talking about us running. It, it matches the personnel of our team and that whole idea of of calibrating toward Westbrook. If Russ is going to be here, let's get the best version of him now. From a spacing perspective, they didn't go in in that direction. If this is where they where they come from, I've got some thoughts on the structure of who's slotted where and and whatnot. Again, I spent a lot of <laughs> I sent you guys one of my uh, my rotation things. It got unresponded to. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not offended. Well, um, no, 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 because we we didn't want to step on the pod, bro. You know, oh we, right! Oh, gotta protect. Yeah, gotta gotta keep yeah. the material fresh. <laughs> no, for real. That's why I didn't respond to that. Yeah, I like to have these right. these discussions live. And don't act like was don't busy. act like your your and Darius's thoughts don't matter here because whatever you say and, and as long as it aligns with my opinion, then I will just keep asking about those things <laughs> until you know until it is is made to happen one way or the other. And just you know dropping hints on the plane stuff like that. So yeah, don't act like your don't act like your list doesn't matter, Pete. All right. Well, I, all I'm saying is. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that that clarification, Mike. I feel feel better. I feel more validated now. Yes, thank you. So yeah, I've been geeking out about this, and that's one of the things that really stands out to me, D, is if you think athletically, first and foremost, LeBron and AD, if they're the cornerstones of our team, that they are big athletes, big skilled athletes. Russ is a big athlete who is not skilled, but that big athlete, that whole idea of stacking strength upon strength upon strength, when your starting point athletically let's just put basketball aside for a moment is lebron ad and russell westbrook those are three of the most formidable athletes at their position in nba history now a couple of them are older you know lebron's in year 20 but he's still quite a handful 
And then what you put around that, Damian Jones is a plus athlete as well. Kendrick Nunn is fantastic uh, from a speed perspective. He's not like a super high flyer. He can jump, but he's not a super big guy uh, like our main three. But he's he operates at speed. And so when I think back to what Darvin Ham has said all summer, I'm, I start to see a little bit of synergy like, oh, this is kind of this lineup really matches what you've been talking about. Yeah, I also think that if Russ is going to start and he is, um, this is pr- also probably the best combination. Uh, it's the best two-way lineup that he could probably play. If athleticism and speed are one of the variables that matters to you. And so Pat Beverly is a better defensive player than Kendrick Nunn by a fair amount. But Nunn is a much better offensive player than Pat Bev, and he is a better athlete than Pat Bev. So this goes back to the boxes that you check, what matters, and how you prioritize those boxes as a head coach, right? And so this is where I think the point that you're making about Ham and what he actually will do, and this is a discussion that we've had about hiring a first-time head coach who has been an assistant, a long-time assistant on one coach's staff, and how that often taints how we view that head coach and we often assign qualities to that new head coach based off right. of the staff that he came from. So we're just like, oh, yeah, what he did with the Bucks or the Hawks, that's instructive. But and maybe it will be. Maybe it won't be, too. Right. And I think that's where the games are going to matter and how the rotation shakes out matters. I am very interested in this development of Kendrick Nunn looks great because I personally, I was not counting on Kendrick Nunn this season. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at this from the perspective of Nunn is very likely to get traded. And now based off of this report, that's your starting backcourt. (laughs) And so I am very interested in how this impacts the rest of the rotation, because we've been talking about this a little bit, and I think we'll get to this more in the second half of the pod. So I don't want to step on it too much now, but if we're looking at 10 man rotation, there's a lot of guards here now. And if two of the guards who I thought were the two top likely players to get traded, and now they're actually your starting backcourt, that pushes dudes down in the rotation that I was sort of penciling in as being guys who could credibly play two shifts a game. So I just want to kick that idea back to you, Mike, about like, hey, Kendrick Nunn looks great. And I think that that's good. He was their fourth highest paid player or one of the key free agent acquisitions last offseason. He was the player who was sort of looked at as a replacement for Alex Caruso, and he played zero regular season minutes last season. So if Kendrick Nunn is going to play well or look good and play well, that's great for for the Lakers. And that's a variable that they totally needed last season that they did not get at all. And I think drastically changed the ceiling and the floor of the team that played last season, that underachieving team. But in penciling him into the lineup now and projecting him now, it starts to get tricky pretty quickly with how many guards the Lakers have. And so I just want to kick that back to you and balancing out enthusiasm for none and how that potentially then impacts the rest of the lineup, because I'm sort of seeing a seesaw there that I'm trying to get my hands around a little bit. Yeah, I'm I guess 
I'll, I'll just say this. I'm just not placing a ton on whatever a current, like today's starting lineup idea is. It's going to be fluid at, at, at a couple of the spots. And there's not going to be, to me, rotation minutes that are promised. I think the 10 guys that I have, and really it's kind of like 10 plus one. But as we know with this team, that almost always means like there's always going to be somebody out. So like I'm let me, who, who are your 10, Mike? Okay, so, so you, just you, I'm curious. Yeah, so just going through it. So um, Beverly, Westbrook, LeBron, Davis, Jones, and then Nunn, Reeves, Brown, Toscano Anderson, and Bryant. And Walker is the swing piece there. Now, I, I think that most would probably have him over Troy Brown. The problem is then you're super small because you already have Toscano Anderson up playing at the four in this in this version of the rotation, which means that at the three, you're either going to have like with your second unit, Russ or Austin Reeves or, you know, or if Lonnie Walker's in there, Lonnie Walker. So that's where to me, um, I had Brown in there just based on defense and a little bit of additional size. So now who starts between the centers? Whatever gives you different looks. I think they're both going to play in that spot. Who starts between Beverly and Nunn? Uh, and if we're plugging Russ in, at least to start the year. Now, again, if Russ starts, then I take him out right away and I play him with a shooting second unit regardless. So I just don't, I think that when the hearing the names Jones and Nunn are more because people, if you ask people inside the building, you know, which I've been doing for a couple of weeks, who's looking good. Those are a couple of guys that have been playing well. So therefore, okay, well, they're playing well. And this is the whole point of training camp battles. But I think if you ask the couple of people that are, and really it's, it's Darwin, but there's a couple of people that he, you know, will take some, um, some additional opinions on, like they really need to see the actual training camp go on in the actual training camp battles. And when they're moving at a hundred percent and when LeBron and AD are out there together. Right. And so that's all like the, we're going to get different reports, but to me, so it, let, let, let me stop myself there and just go. That's my 10 though. So Beverly Westbrook, LeBron, AD Jones, Bryant, Toscano Anderson, Brown, Reeves, and none. And then Walker is sort of that guy that's, that that's going to play, but I, I don't know for sure. Like I wouldn't have him above Austin. I certainly wouldn't have him above Beverly. If none's playing like he's playing, I think none gets the edge there too. And then it becomes a Brown versus Walker size thing. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about this proposed lineups uh, impact on the bench. Cause what Mike's saying, all of this ties in. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So again, to reiterate what Mike is saying, we haven't even had training camp yet. And there are a bunch of different combinations uh, that, that they can go to. I just think that hearing this is kind of where our minds are at or reportedly where where uh, Darwin and, and the staff and all their their minds are at at this point of September, which can definitely change, is super interesting. And this build in particular raises some questions about that bench that you were talking about. Pete, and Walker quick, quick is, note, I forgot. Two weeks ago, it was like, oh, I think you know, people inside the building were saying, oh, I think a lot of Walker's got the line. Walker, right. Says, yeah, now, this exactly. is, of course, before the Beverly trade. But so it, that's that's the point about the, yep. these things are fluid. Very much so. And we could be talking about somebody else in, in two weeks too, right? And some other version of it. But uh, it's the I think it's the most tangible information just from a big picture standpoint of just their early thoughts of where, where they are. And so Walker, to me, is an interesting swing guy. He got our MLD, Mike. He's not one of your 10, but he is getting paid more than half of the dudes that are in your rotation, right? So to what degree that matters, and it certainly shouldn't in terms of – that's one of the things I like about the build of this team is there aren't many guys who feel they should be owed any playing time. So it's like may the best man win in a lot of situations, and I think that's healthier than what we had last year for sure. But with with respect to Walker, you said something offline recently, D, about like you were watching him at a Rico Hines thing, and you're like, damn, this dude is explosive. And so building off of this same idea – Right. If that's a super athletic starting lineup, you got Walker coming off the bench. Say he is in in Darwin's. Oh, I think 10. he will be in Darwin's, by the way. Yeah, that was that was sort of my initial right. tent. But yes, I he will be in the initial tent, I think. I, th- I think so, too. Right. And so you've got a super athletic starting lineup. You got Lonnie Walker coming off of the bench. JTA is an athlete. And then Pat Bev is he's not an athlete, right? But he applies a certain amount of pressure that I think catalyzes other people's athleticism. Live ball turnovers, getting out in transition, defensive stops, everyone's hyped, right? Like, I, I guess part of my excitement for this D is that I see the the outline of a bigger idea where it's like, this has weaknesses. We need to talk about the spacing. They don't really have a point of attack defender in the starting lineup. But from in terms of an overall outline of what are we going to be a big athletic team is really high up there on the list of what I want us to be. And so I don't know, it just that starting lineup in particular, I start going, okay, Walker, then JTA, all of a sudden it's like, wow, we got a lot of athletes in this group. And it's, I am a big believer that a team has to pick what they're going to be. You can't be everything. You can't be every style of team. And so just kind of having something definitive early on, remember last year, how we were like, just pick a stop, just, Pick something and go with it. I see kind of the outline of that early on. I'm interested in discussing JTA here. Mm. Yeah, me too. He's my swing player, Mike. Mm. I think him and Troy Brown Jr. are the guys who are battling for that 10th and 11th spot. Walker's in. He makes over $6 million a year. It's like, I'm sorry, you didn't sign that dude to to not play him. And so I agree with what you're saying, Mike, in terms of like, I think that he'll be in Darwin's first iteration of a lineup. And I agree with Pete there too. Austin's in too. Darvin Ham has used Austin Reeves name. I don't know how many times, every single time he's had media availability, he has mentioned Austin Reeves. And so let's talk JTA for a second. I agree, Pete, he is an athlete. 
and he has a certain amount of physical presence in the way that he plays. Old school basketball fans will remember a guy named Jerome Williams. He had a nickname called <laughs> he was the junkyard dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Georgetown. Yep. Yes. And high socks, headband. Yep. He had a decade long career. And I see JTA as a very similar player to him in terms of um, just that frenetic get it after it style of play. JTA has better feel than Williams, and he can probably do a bit more with with the ball. He's also smaller. Right. But it's just like it's that sort of class of player. You mentioned Zach Lowe. And his sort of this is what I'm hearing thing. One of the passing lines that Zach Lowe used about JTA is like, oh, yeah, JTA, he's a nice 11th or 12th man. And that's what he was for the Warriors last season. He was out of the rotation. He did not play right now. They had investments in a bunch of other players it like Moses Moody and Kaminga and and then they had Otto Porter. And they, so th- they had a lot of guys who could viably play in front of Toscano Anderson. And and the Lakers do not have that plethora of wings that are going to play in front of JTA. But I'm interested to kick it back to you guys is JTA. I know that he's got all of these things that we say that the Lakers want. Right. Defensive presence and all this, this, that and the other. He is not a shooter. He is not an on ball player. So he is a field player that plays best off of shooters and off of stars. The Lakers have stars. They don't have shooters. And so I'm very interested to see where JTA fits in this because he has certain skill sets that are certain parts of his game are definitely like, oh, yeah, the Lakers need that. And there are other parts of his game where you're like, okay, well, that impacts the other parts, like it impacts who he can play with because of the Mm -hmm. limitations within his own game. And so he's that's why he's my he's sort of my swing pivot player. If he's in the lineup, certain things have to be adjusted to where you're going to strangely say get the most out of him because he's playing for a reason. Right. And. That reason needs to be he's actually playing well within his role. And that means the asks need to be a certain thing. And that means the ingredients around him need need to be a certain thing as well. And and so I just wanted to lay that out there and sort of kick it back to you guys, because I think he's an interesting piece of this rotation because he's sort of the odd man out to me right now because of what Brown can do from a skill standpoint. Yeah, I. This is the point where my concerns, you know, start to come back up again. And it's and it's a lot of it revolves around trying to figure out how these units can function when Russ is a part of them. And and it gets back to the same problem that was there last year with the lack of the real big two way wings. And I know that LeBron and AD are kind of in this context, but I mean, three and D wings around them. And like big ones, bigger ones, right? Not just guards. So Austin doesn't really qualify there. Brown isn't really that big. Toscano Anderson is not offensive in that way, in the way that he's going to provide spacing and shooting, right? Um, even if he can do some playmaking and he's going to give you the defense. And and it gets back to that discussion earlier is if, if Thomas Bryant and how he's shooting, and if he's not, or if teams are not respecting him to shoot, then you're right back in that same place where the, the floor is shrunk defensively. You're encouraging Westbrook to shoot. You're encouraging whether it's Thomas Bryant or just Damian Jones to do something. And so, Pete, this is where I need I need you to to kind of clarify some of what 
of how this is going to work with what how the teams are going to want to play against specifically Westbrook and then specifically some of the other weakness spots uh, more on the offensive end because defensively I do think it's overall better um, in a lot of, in a lot of ways than last year but offensively I, I have some of those same concerns. So to answer that question, I think that's part of the importance of the structure of running this style of four out that I think we're going to run is that you maximize the spacing for because like Giannis, for example, by virtue of his complete dominance at getting to the rim, like you always want him to shoot the jump shot rather than and he could hit five of those in a row. Right. And so like. And and even a guy like Drew Holiday isn't really a sniper. Middleton's obviously got a beautiful jumper. But I, what I'm trying to say is that Milwaukee faced similar dilemmas, right, where their best players, two of their best players are guys that, like, you want to sag off of. And so maximizing spacing, that's really what this offense does, is it maximizes space for dribble penetrators. There's a longer answer where I think Russ is going to start out in the left corner um, and that that he'll be kind of partners with LeBron in the left slot. And there's, I think, handoff actions and say it's AD and none on the other side, right? There are longer conversations. This is an offense I'm very familiar with, so we can get more into the details later. But with respect to JTA specifically, JTA, I think, is someone when he plays is going to be really important. What part of the game does he play in? What I would guess is, especially with how this is lining up, is – Darvin is trying to put together a really stout defensive unit. Again, this is if that starting lineup were to be the starting lineup. Off of the bench, you've got your two best point of attack guards. So you've got Patrick Beverly and Austin. And then I think that's when going to three guard lineups is most effective. And so like Lonnie being the guy that's the kind of more electric scorer that Pat Bev and Austin aren't, I think you can run those groups together, particularly because Pat Bev can guard up. And I think in a lot of ways with those bench groups, Pat Bev is going to be kind of guarding up and asked to be a two or a three with a lot of those groups. JTA, I think, feels is going to be our backup like small ball four. I think the idea is those bench units are going to play really good defense. They're going to get out and run as a result of it. And either LeBron and AD are going to be kind of the offensive hub that brings it all together. When Russ comes back into the game, that's when you got to be a little more cognizant is if if JTA's in the game, you can't have another bad shooter uh, in the game as well, or else things are going to start to fall apart. But I think that what they're ultimately trying to do, Mike, with that is prioritize defense. We're going to put really good defensive lineups out here. And if Russ's awkward style in terms of not being a shooting type of guard, if that complicates lineups then it's Russ that needs to get replaced rather than reconstruct the lineup around him so I think the the TLDR of that D I think is uh, I think they're really going for a defensive bench yeah and so that makes sense it makes sense (laughs) Uh so we've seen this very often and I don't want to conflate Darvin Ham with Frank Vogel for example right and so the Lakers signed two centers and both of the and like Based off the reporting and the way that it felt, they were really pushing for Thomas Bryant to sign, right? They could have chased someone much less feasible as like a big guy, and they could have basically slotted in Anthony Davis as the other center to play a lot of minutes at center, right? Roughly 40 to 50% of his minutes, and they could have signed a Jay Huff level player, Right. And it's like, hey, you might play some nights, other nights you won't play at all. Right. And AD is going to play anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of his minutes at center. 
And the other center is actually going to play a fair amount. He's going to play 25 minutes a game, right? But they did not do that. They signed two guys who are viable rotation players. And now, so they have three centers, right? Or Anthony Davis can play a lot of center. They have LeBron James, who is a one of one. He can play any of the three, four, five positions for any number of minutes a game. And they've got a bunch of guards, Mike. And I am very interested to see the choices that Darvin Ham is going to make in order to optimize those guards while also playing while also seeing how many of those centers he actually plays. Right. Because last season when they had Russell Westbrook, the idea was you're likely going to see two of those three big three players on the court at all times. And I do not think that's going to be the plan this year. Russ has fallen in estimation to the point where I don't think you can guarantee that. And I don't think that that's necessarily the way you want to build out your roster, particularly when he's been on the trade block the way that he has. So, my sense is that one of LeBron or AD needs to be on the floor at all times, right? Yeah, always been true. Yeah. And so if that's the case, what do the rest of these lineups look like in order to achieve some of the defensive stoutness that Pete is talking about? So is AD going to be a permanent power forward? How much is Thomas Bryant going to play? And let me just pause you there, though, because how much time did we spend last year? about can you play a center next to AD when Russ is on the court? And so mm-hmm. we're already now talking about, well, what if Damian Jones is just playing better? And what if Bryant isn't shooting that well? Are you going to go back to that lineup, right, with AD at the four and a center like Jones and Russ out there? And especially if Beverly is on there, who's not a sniper, uh, can shoot the three. But so are we where are you guys at with that whole thing about how much AD would would have to play the four versus the five? Well, this would be a more compelling argument if the fives that we did sign were more geared toward the postseason, because ultimately what I see D is that when it comes to winning big games, if we get to that place, right, if we get to the postseason, I think that guys like TB and and Jones, their minutes will dwindle and we will see more of uh, of AD at the five. That's what happened in the 2020 run. That's what happens all over the league is the solid bigs, guys like Daniel Tice, Dwayne Dedman. As you get further and further into the playoffs, like they're not on the floor in large part because they aren't familiar with making the defensive rotations on the perimeter. So that's actually my biggest concern with our the ceiling of this team is I like the, I like our big lineups, but like what are our, our AD at the five groups, which I think will only probably play the last five minutes of the second quarter and fourth quarter most yeah for, for the most part i like what does that look like i have more questions about that yeah because this team doesn't have any forwards again yeah exactly like i mean or at least not enough yeah we're penciling in jta as like a backup small ball four jta is like six five six six mm-hmm. he's not a small ball four in reality he is a he is a defensive wing And if the other team is playing a 2019 version of Markeith Morris, the hell with it. Let's say the Lakers are playing the Clippers. Yeah. And it's a and it's this stretch of the game. And Anthony Davis is your center. And LeBron James is on the bench. And JTA is your backup power forward. 
And the Clippers are playing a group that has whoever they have, but Marcus Morris is the power forward at that point. Are you going to tell JTA, go defend Marcus Morris? And like, if you are, I think that there's there's some viability there, but he he is downsized in pretty much almost every situation, even as a small ball four. And so I think of all of the dudes who are now those six nine, six ten ish perimeter based power forward guys who also love to sort of get into the post some and play against small, smaller players like the Tobias Harris types who are going to mash some, the Bogdanovich types, right? They're just like, oh, you put a small guy on me? Well, I'm going to at least go into the post and then see if you can handle me down there. I trust that JTA is going to compete. Right. And I know that he's going to play hard, but you're also six, six, like the Lakers ran into this problem so much last season playing guards, basically at the forward positions and over the course of a full game that hurts you. Now, if you have LeBron and AD, they can neutralize that some. Right. And if they're both on the court, great. They'll take these bigger dudes. But there's going to be stretches of the game where it's just one of them. Then you need the manpower next to those guys in order to play your best lineups. And I'm wondering, do the Lakers have enough forwards? And it's why I go back to the point I was making earlier about this first projection about both Russ and Nunn playing key roles, right? And so, Mike, even if they're not starters, if they are part of the 10 It's just like, there you are again with like six dudes, potentially, including JTA, six, six or under who are penciled in to be key rotation players or and that seems like too many dudes who are that size. And talk me off of this if you can. But this is where I'm at. And this is where I sort of see the weakness for the Lakers is give me more six, eight to six, 10 dudes who can actually do some stuff. And I know every team wants that. Every team wants that, but this team needs that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Darius look at just preach that it's, it's what we've been talking about for a while. And it's what's, it's what's, <laughs> it's the difficulty of once Russ went out, like in that trade and the guys that went out and the degree to which you were going to be able to bring back more two way type, bigger wings, you know, given the lack of salary to be able to offer to do so is a very difficult problem. And I don't think the solves are there with this roster. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't find like the way that Pete's talking about how they can play and the way that they have to play. Um, I, I think that can mitigate some of that. But ultimately, you're still going to be in, in a couple of spots. You're still going to be wanting guys that had some more size um, and and or and or some more skill like if you're playing the guys that have a little bit more size that just aren't so it's that's those those remain the challenges and uh, you know i don't have the answer for that <laughs> i have so much to say right now but we gotta we gotta wrap up i think that um say 30 seconds of it so the guards that we played last year the small guys that we played last year were not good defensive players and so i think a big so for one it's absolutely correct that that is the hole on the roster we need another forward we need at least one more player that bumps jta down to your fourth most important forward at the very least rather than your third most important forward um but when you go smaller what 
what you need is your four five rotation. It becomes very important in that. I think the minutes that AD plays at the five this year, I think like 90% of them will be with LeBron on the court as well. So that helps mitigate that problem. I don't think there are going to be a lot of AD GATA. I think there's going to be like a one or two minute stretch in the second quarter with the way the rotations break down. But I think that Jones and Bryant will both play. And I think that with those second unit groups, it's kind of a flip of how it normally is in that you're, you're going to be a defensive group. If that's, those are the starters you got Austin and Pat Bev. That's a great defensive bench. That's a really, really, really good defensive bench in the backcourt. JTA, he's in the league for his defense. So now you got three guys on the court that can do that. And then it's AD and TB up front. So if you're going with a smaller guard, uh, a smaller look in the backcourt, how much those guys can defend and how much they can defend up really matters. So that's the brief version. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Super fun to get into this stuff with you guys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. But until then, you can listen to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.